Welcome to Celebration Church Online. We are so glad that you've joined us. We want you to share this broadcast with as many people as you can. We believe that it will bless and encourage us all in this season. Remember to continue reaching out to your loved ones. Stay connected with one another, especially with your cell family. The Bible gives us a pattern. We are to look out for one another and speak His word, and His strength will carry us through. Continue checking out our social media platforms for updates on Facebook and WhatsApp. We encourage you to share this content with all your friends and family. Tune in to ZFM every Sunday at 7.15 p.m. for a time of devotion with Pastor Tom. So last week, somebody complained. They said, oh, you didn't preach very long. You only spoke for a few moments. Look, can I tell you something? It's not how long you speak sometimes what you say. Faith is something that you have to have by revelation. You're saved by faith through, with a grace on it. But that faith and even that grace is not of yourself. God gives to every man a measure of faith. But you've got to grow that faith. Your faith can grow. Exceedingly growing faith. Now, here's the problem with faith. That we have to build something on top of the faith. And how many of you know that we have an enemy? The enemy is going to try to stop us and destroy us and keep us from building on our faith. Today's message, I, I call it the trap. And we're going to take some time right now to talk about the phases of life-controlling problems. You see, uh, you'll remember that a life-controlling problem is anything that masters our lives. Paul the writer of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12, when he announces, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. He says, everything is permissible for me, permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. What he's talking about is how to master your life. I guess the way to paraphrase what Paul's really saying is he says, although anything goes, I'll not let anything control me. Paul made a commitment. He made a decision. I will not let anything control me. You see, every person has the potential of experiencing a life-controlling problem. No one is automatically exempt. And even though no one plans to be trapped by such a problem, it can happen without a person even really being aware of it. Addictions and dependencies generally fall into three categories. Substance addiction, behavior addictions, and relationship or interaction addictions. There's other kind of life-controlling problems, and we may be talking about those sometimes, sometime in the future. But most people fall into these three categories that I'm talking about. Substance addictions. That's the use of substances taken, taking control of our lives. Uh, food, eating disorders, drugs, chemicals, alcohol, other addictive substances. God created you and I to have dominion over all these things. He never meant for them to have dominion over us. Second, behavior addictions. This is the practice of behaviors taking control of our lives. Things like gambling, and compulsive spending, the use of pornography, other sexual addictions, the love of money, sports. Uh, anything can become an addictive behavior if we allow it to be. It can become too much focus. The third is relationship or 
interaction addictions. You may have heard of relationship problems like uh, this being called codependency or being tied to somebody in your soul. I think that we have to be very wise when we come to relationships and the addictions that come through them. Uh, we hear all the time of people who uh, can't extract themselves out of a relationship they, or they give themselves away and they never find themselves again. We're going to be talking about how we can deal with such things. We all have the potential sometime in our lives of experiencing one or more of these life-controlling problems. Now, you may already be involved in an addiction or another problematic behavior that has taken control of your life. Sometimes it's hard to identify a life-controlling problem. So let me give you a few questions to ask yourself to help you in the process of discovery. First of all, ask yourself, is my behavior practiced in secret? Secondly, can it meet the test of openness or do I hide it from my family and my friends? Third, does this behavior pull me away from my commitment to Christ or draw me closer to Christ? Four, does it express Christian love? Five, is this behavior used to escape feelings? Six, does this behavior have any negative effects on myself or others? These questions are something that you should use to help you and others identify when we have reached or are in danger of reaching the point of having a life-controlling problem or life-controlling problems. These behaviors and these dependencies, they have a way of progressing in our lives. You know, I've noticed that during the shutdown, it seems that there are some people, some men and women, some children in the body of Christ that are dealing with things better than others. Researchers have identified a pattern that follows some very predictable steps. I call it the trap because it often snares its victims before they realize what's happening. There's four phases of life or of life controlling problems. And I'd like to just look at those and they may help you. The phase one is something we all go through. It's called experimentation. Uh, we learned that experimenting with a substance or a behavior makes me feel good. We, we don't really see any serious negative consequences. We learn to trust the substance or we learn to trust that behavior because it makes me feel good or helps me escape every time I use it or by doing it. I, I've learned to, whatever that behavioral thing is, dominate, intimidate, uh, uh, you know, cave in. I don't know. We, we have all these different things that we do. I learned how to use the substance or the behavior to make myself feel good, to feel great. Well, that's the experimentation stage. Phase two, we go a little deeper. It's social use. I begin to use or practice this attitude, use the substance or practice this attitude more regularly. My behavior or this behavior or substance becomes a part of my social life. I use or practice in times and places that are socially acceptable. Daily lifestyle choices 
begin to be affected by my focus on this substance or my focus on this behavior. So I make rules for myself about my use or my practice that make me feel safe, boundaries. My use of the substance or my behavior becomes a problem without warning. Have you ever got caught off guard? Have you ever found yourself going too far? Phase three is you begin to have a daily preoccupation. We begin to use or we begin to practice and what we're doing becomes harmful. It becomes a harmful de dependency. We begin to lose control over our use or our practice. We violate our value system. We can't block out the emotional pain any longer. My lifestyle centered on this compulsive behavior. Unresolved problems produce more stress and pain. I begin to break my self-imposed safe use practice rules. My safe use or my safe practice rules around what I said I would or wouldn't do. My life begins to deteriorate in all areas, including my health, my spirituality, and my relationships. Then we come to the final phase, the fourth phase, and this is when you're using the substances or practicing just to feel normal. You're using certain things that you do. You lose touch with reality and you experience delusions and paranoia. I may try to escape my problems by running away or I lose my desire to live. I have no desire for God. I'm spiritually bankrupt. I lose self-control lose dignity. My problems grow like a snowball. They just begin to overtake me. It has a snowball effect on my life. My family relationships are destroyed. See, I'm so grieved at what I see happening in many of our families. This COVID-19, sometimes it broke people down. People really didn't communicate. They didn't talk. And some people that had a little problem with addiction or a little problem with an attitude. This magnified it. When we look at these phases, in phase one, ask yourself what situations or circumstances could cause a person to experiment with a potentially addictive substance or a behavior. See, we often encounter the substance or a relationship during a needy time a needy time in our lives, and it makes us feel better. Maybe a friend introduces us to the substance, or uh, it could be like food or shopping, a part of our normal life, but it becomes a problem when it begins to control us. Are there any warning signs in the experimentation phase that we can look at? And then in the later social use phase, is there something that can give us a warning that there's a serious problem that's developing? Well, let me tell you this. Any illegal activity is obviously a danger sign. Illegal drugs or uh, illegal things that you do that you're addicted to or you could be addicted to. As is any activity, we feel the need to hide from the people who care about us. Something that makes us feel guilty, that's, that's an indicator. Why do some people move past experimenting and? social use and it get more deeply entangled? That's always a great question. Well, we look to addiction for comfort in crisis situations. Continued use has less effect. So what happens is because you have used and the strength of it is no longer longer, you, you, you are strong enough, it doesn't give you the high, 
you want to experience the same excitement as you had with the early use. So we get drawn into a group of people who participate in the same behavior and we go for more and more of the, of the, of the drug or more and more of the attitude. God's been pushed out of our life. His voice has begun to be ignored. At which phase do you think daily life begins to be noticeably affected? Well, when a substance or a behavior routinely interferes in an important area of our lives, our marriage, school, relationships, and they continue to use and practice the drug anyway, or practice the attitude anyway, that's when it's really a problem. Now, there's four phases, and although these phases don't represent every individual's experience, this is a pattern that has proven to be surprisingly accurate. Now, I want you to think about this. Think about it right now. Where would you identify yourself in the scope of things? Right now, where, where do you see yourself? Can you think of someone in one of these phases without identifying the person? That's not for you to do, that's for God to do. You see, these four phases are what I call the trap. The trap is the way that pulls a person deeper and deeper into a downward spiral. It doesn't move in any sort of positive direction or even in a neutral position or a straight line. It pulls us downward. It pulls us into a death spiral. What are some of the ways that the trap pulls us down? Well, we're going to look at that. What are some of the areas of our lives that are affected in a seriously, seriously negative way? We want to look at that. I'll tell you what it does. It pulls us away from honesty. Honesty with God, honesty with others, and honesty with ourselves. It pulls us away from our jobs and our responsibilities. It, ta it, it takes us away from wholesome, fun things. It may ruin our health. At the very least, it pulls us away from a healthy lifestyle. Relationships with other people often get cut off. We get so focused on our sin, so focused on our addiction, so focused on another person. So how do we escape the trap? Well, you don't gradually ease out of it. The downward pull doesn't just fade away. Our appetites don't get weak or they don't weaken. The only way to escape the trap is to come to a turning point where we resolve to live a life that's free of the behavior or the dependence or whatever's mastering us. The purpose of spiritual awareness is to find the way out of the trap. We've been reading in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5, through it says, His divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. We have to get the knowledge of Him if we're going to live a godly life. Through these, He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And to your goodness, knowledge. Verse 5. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. See, goodness is a virtue of moral excellence. It involves firm resolution. It, it, it involves an active choice 
for moral excellence. That word goodness implies a firm commitment to shun every form of corruption. The performance of goodness may not always be there, but God puts the want to inside of your heart. We have to cultivate that desire, and then we have to put it into action. Listen to what the Bible says. Romans 8, verses 12 and 13 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Who puts the, deeds, the misdeeds of the body to death? You do. You have to. And if you do, you will live. See, those who are suffering with life-controlling problems know all about the sinful nature. And if we're caught in the trap of addiction or in the trap of codependency or dependence, we've made the mistake of living according to our sinful nature. Let me give you a warning. If you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But let me give you the hope. If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. See, the power and the strength comes by the Spirit, not by yourself or by your own willpower. When we obey the Holy Spirit, that's when we find the energy, and that's when we find the desire for goodness. We have a new power to make the right choices and to be sensitive to where sinful urges might be leading us. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in all of those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. You see, when we get caught up in the ways of the world and the devil, life is given over to gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and its thoughts. God never created us to be that way. God created us to follow Him, be led of the Spirit. Romans 8, 11 says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you, who give life to your mortal bodies. Because His Spirit lives in you. Huh. I'll tell you what, that's all the power we need. We only need the power of Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God, who works in you to will and to do according to his good purpose. One version says to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God is working in you. If you continue to work out your own salvation, he'll work in you to bring it to pass. You see, when the fight against our sinful nature seems impossible, we keep moving forward, knowing that God is working with us. We have a responsibility 
But God also has a responsibility. He says, if you work at it, he says, I'll work with you. I'll bring it to pass. I love Psalm 37, verses 5 and 6. It says, commit your way to the Lord and trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward like the light of dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. He'll do it. Trust to the, put, put your trust in the Lord. Trust him. And he'll do this for you. You see, there's a relationship between righteousness, which is goodness. We're talking about goodness. There's a relationship between goodness or righteousness and commitment. Our commitment to trust, but more importantly, God's commitment to us. We commit, put our trust in him, and he will make our light shine like the dawn, like the noonday sun. Philippians 4 and verse 8, God gives us instruction of how we're to live our lives, how we're to think, how to put off the old and put on the new. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Can I tell you something? Actions proceed out of our thinking. Ask yourself, is this true? Or am I fooling myself? Is this noble? That means is it morally excellent? Is it lovely? Or is it ugliness in disguise? Is it something to be admired by the people who are looking up to me? Or is it something that is excellent or praiseworthy? Because if it isn't, it's the wrong choice. God made you to be an example. Job 31. I love Job. He says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustily at a young woman. See, Job saw right to the heart of his problem. His eyes were the gate that would allow lustful thoughts to come into his mind and into his life. Can you think of an active choice you could make to avoid the gate that allows a life-controlling problem into your life? Is there a specific covenant you can make with yourself like Job did? Maybe it means saying no to your feet. Don't walk to that place anymore. Or you may speak to your hands or to your mouth or to your eyes, just like Job did. Daniel 1.18, or Daniel 1.8, Dan, I love Daniel. He says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and the wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Boy. There's a man who wanted goodness. See, the key word in that verse and the key word to overcoming the flesh is he resolved. When you resolve to do something, God will work with you. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13 says, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous and be strong. Why don't we make a uh, commitment right now to memorize that verse so that we can Put it into our spirits. It says, be on your guard. Say that out loud. Say, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Let's say it together again. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. One more time. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. We're fighting an enemy. There's an enemy outside, but I'll tell you what, the enemy inside of ourselves is the one I'm worried about today. It's our own sinful nature. 
The enemy wants to lead us to death. And the only way to overcome this enemy and to escape from the trap that holds us is to live a life of faith in Christ and to be led by his spirit. Goodness doesn't just happen in our lives. Goodness grows. It grows out of our relationship with Jesus Christ. I've got good news for you. We're not alone in the struggle. God gives us the strength to fight. All the help we need is generously available to you and I. Once we've come to Christ in saving faith, his spirit in us can provide all the energy we need to stand firm in our commitment. The same spirit, the Holy Spirit, is able to guide us step by step out of the patterns that hold us. We need only listen and be willing to obey and stay in fellowship with believers. At this point, I want to tell you how important that last point is. The greatest way to get out of your trouble is to have real relationships with believers. Real relationships with people that can help you, hold you accountable. A real relationship, first of all, with Jesus. And we do that through his word. His word is a lamp to your feet, a light to your path. He'll illuminate you. He'll, he'll give you revelation. He'll help you. Then a real relationship in prayer. That's just talking to God. Then most importantly, we need each other. I know very few people that have gotten out of this snare without the help of another person. God sometimes does a miracle. Sometimes he needs to get you in contact with somebody who, a brother, a sister, who will walk it through with you, help confront you, and be honest enough to give you an open rebuke. An open rebuke is better than a hidden love. Sometimes that's what it takes for us to be held accountable. I am hoping that this message is ministered to your hearts today. And I'm asking that you would respond to the grace that's available for you through the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I'm praying for our church. I'm praying for myself. Father, I'm convicted in my own flesh. Father, the COVID crisis revealed great things in my spirit about how I love you, but it also showed me weaknesses. Father, I'm asking today that you would have mercy on me and have mercy on our church and our very member of the church. Father, you'd help us to take this message and go through it again and study it. In our cell groups, help us to face ourselves. Bring the friends in my life that can help me. Bring the people that can confront me in love. Help me to be honest. Help me to face my addictions, my wrong associations, fellowship. Give me the grace to allow your Holy Spirit to work in me while I'm working on my salvation. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If this message has helped you, if you need help in any way, those call center numbers are on the screen for a reason. There are people that can help you or get you to people that can help you. And uh, this may be the first step that you need to take to say, I have, I have need of help. Call that call center, call someone, let us help you. Uh, there's pastors, there's trained psychiatrists and psychologists, you name it. 
We're trying to do the very best to help every person that we can so that we can all walk victorious in Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us online. We hope and trust that you've been blessed by this service. Stay connected with us through our social media platforms on Facebook and WhatsApp. And tune in to ZFM radio station later today at 1915 hours Central African time for devotions with Pastor Tom. And in case you miss the devotions, you can listen to the audio podcast on your preferred platform. Thank you.